balance is really mastered in like little choices in the day to day, like choosing to prioritize the the things that matter the most to you and like fiercely label them. This is my glass ball. I'm not going to drop this. Hey everyone, I'm Maria Sansone and welcome to another episode of Mom to Mom, the podcast. So glad you're here with me today. Things are about to get so bright here in the mom cave because I am talking to the absolutely adorable and sweet Mallory Irvin. And if you don't know who she is and you're not following her on her many, many platforms, I particularly love her Instagram. Um, She is a Nashville blogger. She is a podcast host. She is the author of a book called Living Fully, Dare to Step Into your most vibrant life. And we're going to talk a lot about the book because in the book, she shares lessons that she has learned throughout her life. And she has a very colorful and interesting life. She spent years with the Miss America pageants. She was a contestant on The Amazing Race. She learned so many lessons from her family and from her dad. And she's going to share some of that. And then most recently, becoming a mom and finding love. And she is so open on her platforms. And it's one of the things that we just love about her. But in the book, She goes even deeper and she gets even more real. So we have a very candid and real conversation today about so many things, lessons that are very simple, but actually extremely powerful. So she is lovely and I think you're going to enjoy this. Here is my conversation with Mallory Irvin. Mallory, hi, mama. Hey, how are you again? I'm good. <laughs> Welcome to the OG Mom Cave. We're back where it all began. I am so excited. I love a grassroots anything, and I love it that this awesome thing was born out of the Mom Cave. That seems very appropriate. Right and here, it's cute. high above the house where I can hide <laughs> from the children, which I'm sure you understand as a mom of oh, two. I do. And a podcaster. (laughs) This is our little sacred space where we can have conversations with other women and and talk about some really cool things. And today it's all about you and living fully and your new book and everything you've got going on. So first of all, congratulations. Your book is going to be released like any second now. So how does that feel? It feels like it is, it is time. So you know, because you're in the middle of the book writing process also, but it is such a long process from the time that you have this idea that you're going to write this book to the date that it's finally released. Like, I think people think, oh, you just, you sit in your house and you, you type this book and it's so good. And then you just print it out and then it's just in the store, but it is such it's such a process. And I am not an author by like trade. You know, I'm, I'm a person that's kind of like you in front of the camera and doing all of the things with words. So I really thought, oh, it'll be, you know, I've always wanted to write a book. I felt very called to write a book. Yeah. This will be easy. But, um, you know, I talk a lot about perfectionism and my tendencies for perfectionism in the book, but those came out. I toiled over this book, Maria. I I compare it to like my dad climbs mountains. He climbs Mount Everest like over and over. And I was like, I felt like I was climbing Mount Everest when I wrote this book. It was really hard because I wanted it to be so perfect. Yeah. So I totally it feels amazing that it's It here. feels so amazing when it's done and you're on the other side, but everything you're saying is resonating with me because I'm similar in that way. I'm also a perfectionist, but for me, there's something about the written word. And like you said, yeah. you were 
boiling with it. And that's what I'm doing. I can go on a live show or a podcast or whatever it may be and spew. And nine times out of 10, I'm like, eh, that was pretty good. Yeah. But when I write it down, I go back and like, oh, that could be a better here. Or that could be a better word. Or I should, I'm using the thesaurus as like, no, just speak from the heart and do your thing. But I get it. I know. Congratulations. It's so true. Well, thanks. on the other and side, yours will be great as well. One day we will um, toast to that. <laughs> one day. <laughs> so let's dig into yeah. the book a little bit. So we've been following you on Instagram, YouTube, and your podcast. And so, you know, you've been very vocal and you've been very open. You've been very real, but in the book, you take it a step further. And I think you get really vulnerable and we see sides of you that we actually have never even seen before on those other mm-hmm. platforms. What do you think is going to surprise people the most? I think that, you know, a big part of my story and the part that you're probably referring to is this, there was a really um, tough point in my journey where it was like, if you keep continuing down this path, you know, I had a, I had an issue with prescription medication that like my life would be over. There was just no denying. I had doctors telling me that I had every red flag in the face. But me being this perfectionist, you know, coming off of doing Miss America and all of this television, I was always the golden perfect child who never did anything wrong. I was like, you know what? I would rather go down in flames like this than let anybody in on what's going on. And I ended up in in treatment. And you see, it's this big catalyst in the book. And it's a story that I've never told. And, you know, I've been in this space for five or six years or so doing everything across social media and YouTube and, and the podcast. And over the years, I've gotten message after message of people just following along with my life, you know, asking, you know, how, how do you wake up like that with so much joy for your family? Or, you know, I wish I could have a relationship like it seems like you do with your husband or, you know, how, how do you live your life like this? And I would always message them back and be like, oh gosh, you know, I really went through this really tough time in my life. And I, I choose every day to live like this. Like it wasn't just like this. I wasn't just born like this. And, um, after years of receiving that over and over, I was like, I'm doing people such an injustice, not telling this part of my story. You know, I could have kept it a secret for forever, but if I want to be any sort of influence or have any sort of influence over all the eyes and ears that are watching me cook my favorite recipes and, you know, buy clothes for my kids and decorate my Christmas tree. This is the way to influence people's lives is to show them how I really did. I really was at rock bottom. I really did choose this, this new life and I, I re-choose it every day. And so I feel really good about like, once I decided I'm going to tell the story and started writing it, I felt really nervous because you don't ever know how it's going to be received. And once it's out there, it's out there forever. So you can't take it back. You can't delete the post off Instagram. Um, right. When the genie's out of the bottle, she's out. <laughs> it's it can't go back in, but I feel really good about doing that. And, and I I'm excited that I decided to, to go there because people, people deserve that. If you're trying to help people live a better life, you can't just give them a polished version of it. Um, that just, or I can't. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, they're looking at the highlight reel all day long on Instagram, all these airbrush photos and, you know, our best moments. So I give you a lot of credit for doing that. And I think you're going to help a lot of people. I mean, I think you already have with a lot that you've shared, but this is going to really help people. So you really were numbing. You you even called yourself like the number at one point. I was the professional of it. Professional number. Did you get to the bottom of what, you know, usually drugs and alcohol, they're masking a bigger thing. Like, did you get to the bottom of what the problem was. So, you know, I had this, 
beautiful, like ideal childhood. Like I grew up on this farm with all these cousins. I was valedictorian. I was always an achiever, the oldest, the leader, the example. You know, I, I never dealt with any struggle or anything. The first issue was that I was such a perfectionist and an achiever. And I thought it is achievement or nothing. Mm. I cannot come in second place because I had all these eyes on me. I was a star in our community. It's all I ever knew. Then it became crippling to me as we were kind of going through, you know, I was going through college and then doing Miss America and all of these um, things. And just like you said, drugs and alcohol or whatever you're using to numb, it does not have to be drugs and alcohol. I wrote this book to two people. I wrote it to one person is the me that like had the red flag moment. You have something going on that you have to take care of. But the other person is like who I am now, which is you don't have a red flag. You just have to like choose your life again. So, you know, the the red flag moments, the non-red flag moments, you know, what whatever that is that gets you to that place. But when I was in treatment, it was there were two pivotal things that happened that changed my life forever. And neither of those things was the sobriety. The sobriety was something that like it had to happen or I, I would die. But the two things and one I opened the book with and, you know, I know you being you know, put together and, and you know, about like hair and you know, about your outfits and your, your face, you know, you just know, I know, you know, cause I'm part of the job face. girl, <laughs> see your face. So I know, you know, <laughs> um, so I opened the book with the story that I've never told about them taking my hair extensions out about two months into treatment. Um, it was the first time I'd gone without hair extensions in 10 years. And it was the most, one of the most pivotal moments in my entire life that I've ever had when they took that hair out of my head. And I looked at myself for the first time, they turned my chair around and my hair was like two inches long and it was fried off. And I didn't even recognize myself. That was the point in treatment that I felt the worst. It wasn't realizing that I had a drug addiction. It wasn't these terrible withdrawals and it was when they took that hair out of my head. And it made me realize that I was just as attached to my appearance and all these things I'd been hiding behind as I was to every single substance that got me into treatment in the first place. And um, that was pivotal. And I did a lot of work around that. And then um, the second thing, I'm a singer and the last stitch thing, like I'd already gained 30 pounds. I had no hair. I'm like this person in treatment, like just falling off the dang Miss America stage. And here I am in this treatment program. So I felt like nothing. But the one thing that I had was I would sing in chapel on Sunday. It's something that set me apart. People would bring their families and they would tell them I have this friend that sings towards the end of treatment. And they knew what they were doing. They took that privilege away from me. They said, you will no longer be, I share this story in the book too. You're no longer going to be singing in chapel. And I just like had a breakdown because it was my last, the last thing that made me feel not average. It made me feel special. I was hiding behind it. And it was the very last thing that like I handed over. And then that's when I did the real work. So that was yes. a long way to answer your question. But no, those are two of the things that got me there. And two of the things that I still have to work, work through in my life today. I got the chills when you were talking about that, because I think a lot of people will be able to relate to that, whether it's a job or an award or any of these things. We are so much more than our titles. And you don't know it until sometimes it's been stripped away from you and you've got nothing left, but what's here. And yes. that's when you get to the real stuff. 
So, wow. Oh my gosh. We can go so many different directions here. We have gotten into so much stuff, but I want to talk about your family because your family is a huge part of your story and your dad is just such an incredible person and you did the amazing race with him. So people may even know who he is, Um, but he definitely makes his way into the book. And as you mentioned, he climbed Everest, just an incredible person, but you talk about how he mastered balance. And Mm -hmm. I want you to tell us about that a little bit. Yeah. You know, I talk about a lot of different things in the book and some things are simple things that you have heard in the better your life community for 15 years, but I take a little bit of a different spin on them. And then some things are things that you haven't heard. And one of these things, and you know, I debated putting it in the book. I've got a lot of stories about my dad in there because he teach, he teaches me and, you know, all of us kids, like so many lessons and I'm from this family who's always just, who's so obsessed with legacy and telling our family stories, this rich storytelling family. Like ever since I was a little girl, we've been meeting quarterly and like telling our family story and bringing in advisors to truly help us like craft our lives. And my dad is the oldest also like I am. And he is just, he's super wise. You would, you would probably never know because he, he does not spell well. And like we, you know, from the country, he just, he's very simple and humble, but he's, brilliant. And he gives advice that's very simple and sound. And yeah, I write a chapter about, um, he used to write me notes all the time, you know, whenever you're going off to college or it's your birthday or whatever. And he would write me the same note every time. And he didn't do that with my siblings. Like he always did it to me, wrote me the same note. And I used to be so frustrated, but it was always to me about balance and how like when you get out of balance with the things that need to be in balance, like your life is out of balance and you have to correct that. And he was so obsessed with that and teaching me that. And I realized, you know, I'm an all or nothing person and I was an all or nothing child. And I realized that he kept delivering that message to me because I needed that message over and over. And what I realized about balance and I write this uh, story about in life where you're juggling these glass balls and rubber balls and the glass balls are the things that you want to balance in your life. They're the things that matter. They're our families and our health and Mm -hmm. the things that if you drop a glass ball out of rotation, too many times, you know, it's going to crack. It's going to crack. It's going to break. You can't break those glass balls. They're shattered. And then, you know, there are other balls that we juggle in life that are like rubber balls and they fall out of rotation. They bounce back our schedules and, you know, all of these things that we, our house, our houses are, you know, there are things that we put on a pedestal and we put above the things like our family and, and our well being and these things. And, and how um, we mislabel the things that are sacred and important in our lives. And we treat them like rubber balls when really they're glass balls. And I heard this story from a friend and I write about that alongside with my dad's lessons about balance. And what I learned is you definitely have to first label the things that like you want to prioritize in your life. I think so many times we just, we're just living and we're just, the day is so full of so many things that you're just keeping your head above water and you're just getting to the next day. And maybe you're happy. There's no bad in your life. So the absence of bad people think for some reason always is a qualifier for a good life if there's no bad in it. But, you know, I think it should be more than that. But balance is really mastered in like little choices in the day to day, like choosing to prioritize the, the things that matter the most to you and like fiercely label them. This is my glass ball. I'm not going to drop this. You know, my children, I like you have two kids and they're young and it's so easy to choose the easy road and hand them off or, you know, do, or, or be on my phone. And uh, that's a big one. Being distracted. Isn't it so much easier to be on Instagram than to be in the floor playing when you 
worked all day long and like you're so tired. Back to what you were saying earlier about addictions come in all different shapes and sizes and flavors and, you know, the staring at the phone and not engaging. Oh yeah. And, you know, I, I see myself doing it when I get stressed and overwhelmed for some reason, I think the answer is in that phone and I will lose time, time, time. Terrible, but you know, it's just, it's distractions. It distracts us from the things that, that we, we know we need to feel the glass falls, (laughs) the glass, that dang phone, you know, we think we can buy a new one on the phone, but we can't. Right. It's just, uh, it's a challenge to choose balance in the day to day. But that's why I was like, you know what, is this too simple of a topic to talk about? But I thought, you know, if you're talking about how to live a full life, if we don't balance our priorities, that is so fundamental to living fully, I think. And it's really simple and you hear it all the time because it, because it's important because it's, and it's hard for people to master. Yeah. Well, the simplest things can be the hardest things. And I know that balance for a parent and for a mom in particular is really tough. And for me, balance can often be a loaded word, right? Because moms are often, how do you often asked, how do you balance it all? How do you, mm-hmm. how do you do it all? Can you do it all? And, and you don't hear people asking men that same question who have no, kids. But don't ask men. So this, this, question. this uh, mysterious balance, you know, it is so important. I think we all strive to get there. So having said all of that, do you have any tips for finding that? Balance? Yeah. You know, it's, it's really making the decision in the day to day. I think we all feel the nudge to turn our attention back to the things that are important in our lives. And uh, we feel it over and over and we try and drown it out with distractions or whatever numbing agents we choose. When you feel that nudge, choosing the, maybe what's a little bit harder to do, maybe what's a little bit more uncomfortable, but like what a rich life you will live if you focus on the things that are important. I, I look back at previous generations and I write this owed to my grandparents in the middle. It's called endangered species and about their generation and how there were so many amazing things about the generation of our grandparents, but they didn't have any distractions. It seems like you always get their undivided attention and they're just so good. And they, they just, they live life on life's terms. They face adversity. It's like every single one of them has this knockdown drag out story full of 10 stories that would have like killed me over. Right. I don't, and it's like, I asked my grandpa, he had this just traumatic childhood. And I always say, how did you make it through? And he always says like, we didn't have any hard times. They just don't see it as hard times. Adversity was just. Oh my gosh. Only a depression and war. And I mean, it was just, they didn't have any hard times. It was just their life. They just took it. It's like a wedding vow. I feel like they just take it like sickness and in health and richer and poorer. (laughs) <laughs> they took their licks yeah. and um, they're so resilient and such rich people like for it. And I always think about that when I'm facing adversity and I want to distract myself from or avoid adversity. I want to choose the more comfortable or the easy road. We all do this whole generation does. And I think about them and I'm like, why in the heck am I so fearful of adversity when the people that I love the most in my life were like built from it? like. They don't just make it through it. Like they were made through it. Like that's what made them who they were. And I just want to live my life in a different way. I don't always want to make the easy and comfortable choices. And I think it's so easy for that to be our go-to these days. There's so many distractions. 
and comfort and ease. It's just like, there's a buffet. (laughs) And um, I really did a deep dive in that and why I had made those choices and how I can choose not to make those choices. So sometimes when my kids are playing in the floor and I'm like, I really want to finish this laundry or like be on my phone and finish this one thing. So I don't have to do it tomorrow. I say, this is actually, I know that it's, it's like harder to get on the floor and play with the trains. We already played with the trains four times today, but like, I love my children so much. I want to be an exceptional parent and I want to choose a rich life that I look back on and I'm like, I did it. That's how I wanted to live. So you talk in the book a lot about manifesting and I'm a firm believer in manifesting, but you can't just think about something and then it happens. There's an actual process to it. So share with everyone what that process is like for you. So I've been doing this since I was a child, not knowing what it was called. And Mm -hmm. I write those stories in the book. You know, I think manifesting gets a weird rep this day and age. People are like, you can't be religious and believe in this type of thing. And I'm like, no, I'm actually very religious. And I believe very strongly in manifesting. It's a, I think it's like a prayer and fast forward. It's an ask and you shall receive. It's very much like hand in hand to me. I have seen it so just real and firsthand in my own life. And I talk about it very simply in the book because I just want everybody, whether you're a skeptic or whether you're someone that's like, oh, I believe in this, I'll try it. I want everyone to do it. So I write about it very simply. Like you really have to, A, we've already talked about this, get clear on your priorities. Then you literally just have to have a physical representation of them. You have to look at that over and over. You have to think about it. Like it can be a note in your phone. It can be a classic vision board. Those things are like free magic. They work in such a crazy way. And if you have not tried it, if you're watching this or listening to this, you are missing out on an opportunity at bringing some free, amazing things. Give it a shot. It's free. It doesn't cost you. But here's the secret. You've got to believe it. You've got to believe believe it. it. And you've got to accept what that success would feel like or what that would look like. Not be scared of it. And it will come to you. That's my sense. That is very much true. You, You have to believe it. And you have to continue to believe it. Like when you feel those doubts and you have to feel good. You have to be, you have to feel good. Good energy attracts more good things into your life. hundred percent. Okay. All right. So I want to just with this last like minute we have do a little quick fire with you. Okay. Just to learn a little bit more about Mallory and quick time. Okay. So just first thought that comes to your head. Last TV show that you watched. Yellowstone best meal that you make? Like if the queen's coming to dinner, what are you making? Oh gosh. I'm like a big cook. I make a lot of pastas from scratch. My husband's Italian. I never have a recipe. They're different every time. Mm-hmm. So a good pasta dish. A good pasta dish. Probably Sign yeah. me up for that. <laughs> DIY or store-bought? Oh, I do a, a combination of both. So I like the easiest route somewhere, but I also am crafty and creative and I love DIY sometimes I ain't got the time for it. So if you can do like a hybrid of the two, that's what I do. <laughs> Let's buy the that. cake and do the decorations. You know, I'm so into that semi-homemade. Uh, last uh-huh. person you talked to on the phone, not texted, talked to. Oh, this is actually funny. It was my grandma. And um, she called today because I was feeling sick. And she was telling me to 
swallow these oils, these essential oils. I'm like, okay. Oh my gosh. You are so <laughs> lucky that you get to talk. What I would give to be able to talk to one of my grandmas today. You're, oh my gosh. That, that is true. A lot of people. Yeah. Thanks. Favorite podcast, not including yours. So I binge podcasts like of authors that I like. So I'm very obsessed with a, a author named Tara Swart and she is on a lot of podcasts. And so I've been binging all the podcasts that she's on to be mad magnetic is one that she was just on. And I really like that podcast. So I would guess that one to be magnetic. All right. Yeah. And last but not least, is there a book that you could recommend for us? Oh, well, that's what uh, Tara's book. Um, so she's a neuroscientist and you're going to like this and you need to get this book. She's a neuroscientist. She's a psychiatrist also turned like scientific manifester. So she talks about the brain's ability to change with things like vision boards and positive thinking, but she talks about it in a scientific proven with studies kind of way. And it's the first person that I've ever heard talk about it like this. And she talks about how she would go into, she talks, she's got crazy extreme stories about how she would teach people in prison to like change the makeup of their brain and like project different things in the future. It's just crazy. But, um, it is really an outstanding book and it's called the source. Well, Mallory, thank you so much for taking the time out to do this today. This was so much fun. Please let everyone know out there where they can follow you, where they can find your brand new book and all that good stuff. Yes. After I've just told you guys to all put down your phones, follow me on Instagram, (laughs) Mallory Irvin, just M-A-L-L-O-R-Y-E-R-V-I-N and MalloryIrvin.com is like the hub where you can find my YouTube channel and my podcast and my merch and my book and all the things. But yeah, Instagram's the place that we live the most and living fully is the title of the book. And I always tell people, like I talk about a lot of things on socials, but when people buy my book and take the time to read my story, like I put my soul into this book. Everything that I had inside of me is in the pages of this book. So that if you are a person that likes to read and you bought my book, like thank you in advance, nothing means more to me. So Um, And thank you guys so much for having me on. This uh, means a lot. Thank Thank you. you so much. You're great. All right, that is a wrap for this episode of Mom to Mom. Loved my conversation with Mallory Irvin. And if you are a follower of Mallory's, you already know this. But for those of you who aren't, Right after we recorded the podcast, she announced that she is pregnant again. So congratulations, Mallory. She let me in on that little nugget while we were filming, but wasn't ready to share yet. So congratulations to Mallory and her family. Thanks to all of you for joining us today. If you want to binge on our episodes of Mom to Mom, we have so many great conversations. They are all available wherever you find your podcasts. And if you happen to be in the New England area, you can always watch Mom to Mom on Mondays at 1130 a.m. on NBC 10 Boston. All right, everybody. That's it for me. I'll see you next time on Mom to Mom. Mom to Mom.